We live in a fast-paced and hectic world where it's easy to feel overwhelmed, stressed, and out of control. How do you manage all the competing pressures without losing sense of yourself? How do you stay focused enough to not only plot a path, but follow it? Welcome to Master Your Life, a show that offers inspiration, insight, and intelligence, as well as success stories from many walks of life that can show you how you can control your own destiny. Our knowledgeable and entertaining host and her guests give practical advice that you can use every day in the quest to master your life. Now, here's your host, Leah Mattinson. Hi, everyone, and welcome to today's show. I'm host Leah Mattinson, and it's my absolute divine delight and pleasure to welcome this wonderful group of people to my stage. We've done some interviews with lots of folks in the past seven years, and they've all come out just outstanding, outstanding information and outstanding elevation to the people who are listening in and watching in. So this is a distinct pleasure because this is the first time um, that I've brought to my stage worldwide. Wide, uh, this particular group of absolutely wonderful, wonderful people who are doing such great work in the world. Um, and I'm going to start off by introducing their fearless leader, although I know he probably does not want to be described as such, but I'm going <laughs> to tap him with that distinction. Uh, Paul Mooney, welcome to the stage. Welcome to the Master Your Life show. How are you today? I'm very well, thank you. And yes, you are right. If I didn't tap into my fear, I wouldn't be a leader. So I'm not fearless at all. I'm terribly afraid. (laughs) (laughs) He's sweating bullets. And anyone who's watching on video will be able to see that. Just can you dab the perspiration off your forehead now before we get rolling, Paul? (laughs) I'll I'll tap it off with some chocolate because I'm told that cacao is a sacred plant. (laughs) (laughs) So he's been healed already. Show's over. (laughs) And I've got my third eye as well. Perfect. I can feel the vibration all the way through the thousands and thousands of miles that separate us, Paul. So we're <laughs> so uh, I'm looking forward to you sharing that wisdom with uh, our audience. So, Paul, tell tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and a little bit about your uh, mission in life right now. Uh, thank you, and I'm really looking forward to bringing in the other voices of Tirtha, of Thomas, and of Jackie. So we join you uh, from. Ireland and from Buenos Aires now. And we're a community called Celtic Crescent. And Celtic Crescent is the idea of accessing the ancient knowledge and wisdom of the Celtic peoples who have traditionally gone to the west of the countries in which they have lived. So we consider you to be a Celtic Canadian because you're out in the west. And bringing that into the present, using a dialogue methodology. And one of our teachers was a quantum physicist who died in 92, David Bohm, who was not only working with Oppenheimer on the Manhattan Project, he was also the scientific advisor to the Dalai Lama. So you can see the kind of range of teachings that we bring in. So the past of the Celt, the present with the dialogue, and because we're using technology, we want to use quantum computing in order to access that beautiful space in between the one and the zero. So we use a methodology called dialogue. We see dialogue as the glue in between communities and conversations. And at the moment, we're beginning to explore fascia, which I hadn't heard about until a couple of weeks ago, where we see ourselves as the mycelium that brings people and communities together. So we come to you from the green shores of the west of Ireland, and I'd like to bring in some other voices now, if that's okay, Leah. Yes, please do. Yes. Great. Okay. Tirtha, down in the beautiful county of Fork. Say a little bit about why you're involved in this community and a bit about yourself, if you can. Hi. Um, So, yeah, I'm based down on West Cork at the moment. And um, my work, I guess, fundamentally is about empowerment and helping people to remember themselves and and their source. Um, The methods I use or my avenues kind of in are my my past is is working with um, shamanism, the tantra, 
with energy healing, um, intimacy and sexuality, consent and boundaries. And um, I also have a lot of work with plant guides. Um, and so a lot of this is about kind of understanding ourselves as, as more than just in the limited experience to so understanding ourselves on the greater levels of ourselves and in, in, in all aspects of our being. And so I'm kind of, I'm involved as one of the guides in the project and also in the ovation aspect of the work, um, which is around helping people to work through drug, drug addictions. Um, mm -hmm. And um, that's a, a part I'm kind of beginning into more. Um, but the idea is about kind of helping to get people to relate on a more conscious level. This is the whole um, dialogue aspect is, is, is helping us kind of break down and, and come out of those conditions, the way we're relating and that aren't very healthy and to start really listening to each other and, and create a new way of, of communicating that, that becomes a lot more effective than a lot of the dialogue that is currently happening in the world. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Right, thanks, Tirtha. And uh, Thomas and I have been dancing on opposite sides of the Atlantic since at least 2008, but perhaps in other lives too. So, Thomas, bring your beautiful voice in from Buenos Aires. Well, thank you, Paul. Uh, yes, as Paul says, this has been a journey of exploring the ways of helping through the positive and adequate influence in uh, people to find ways to more peaceful relations that could build up new things. Personally, I've been in a way or, or, or the other uh, involved with uh, organizations, uh, mainly business organizations and uh, Yes, mainly business organizations all my life. First, uh, as part of them, as an executive, as a senior executive, and at a certain point, I stepped out into consulting and uh, later on, basically into full-time executive coaching. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a person, I'm a, I'm a voice and heart person and my my passion is about understanding and helping and promoting understanding in what makes us do be live like we do mm -hmm. and uh, help in promoting knowledge wisdom helping knowledge and wisdom emerge in people mm -hmm as to see what their paths and journeys are in this life. So my, 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 my real purpose is to help other persons in understanding, defining, and walking their own purpose, because I really believe that the essence of any living being is the contribution it makes to the system. So... Uh, that's my passion, to help persons understand their strongest contribution to the system and to find find life alignment in that. So, and if I may call Jackie in to share with us her journey, past and future. Yeah, so um, I grew up in South Africa. I am um, a mystic, probably first and foremost. I... Um, and I've had some deep and crazy experiences following my own intuition, my own lived reality in terms of spiritual um, connection and truth. And eventually dropping into heart and body experience in a way that has connected me more deeply with other people and allowed a, a, a kind of 
deep presence and acceptance to involve. And so coming into dialogue is dropping those judgments, um, dropping through the stories, um, and showing up as pure essence um, in deep presence. And so being here with this community, with this work, there is possibility for a new way of being with one another, with being real. And it can apply to any community, to any group of people. Um, so my initial connection here is um, as what is what I call a Tenzo, um, as the Buddhist kitchen master. So I hold the hearth, I hold um, the kitchen, um, creating a place of safety for people. Um, and so in dialogue groups, in dialogue containers, having almost like an ordinary place to be, um, kitchen, food, um, is a way that we all know how to connect. It's a place that we all find relatively normal. And so I'm in that space and also using food, um, cooking, recipes, vegetarian food only, um, in a way that enhances the process of people's connection. So that's me. I'm in. Thanks, um, Jackie. Mm. So, so Leah, why are you interested in what we're busy with? I can tell you what we're busy with in a few minutes, but why are you interested in what we're doing? Well, when I first heard about the project, I, uh, I was interested because uh, I saw a YouTube video that talked about all of the aspects of what it was that you were building. And I think we can speak to that during this interview. So a community, a bank, you know, the, all of these great things that are tangible in the real world, but with this underpinning of, you know, kind of, it's not just a building and it's not just somewhere that you show up. There's an actual, um, uh, substructure underneath that's at that quantum level, which I'm interested in and have been a fan and advocate of for decades. Um, like how do we actually do community development, listen to people, understand their vulnerabilities um, and, and to hold space for people because people are in such a rush uh, th all the time and that's how we've been wired. So there's no time often for compassion. It's very highly you know, glossed over. So when you say, you know, I'll pray for you or I'll help you, um, often there's not help in the real world. So a lot of people are feeling lost and very disconnected, homesick. Um, so with the Celtic idea, when I heard that, I went, oh, that's something that a, a lot of people can relate to. For those who are just listening to the podcast and are not seeing us on video, some of us look very Celtic and <laughs> I might be one of them that people would go, oh, she might be a little Celtic. She might be. Uh, and so part of that, again, it's like, where do we belong on this earth? Uh, during 2020, uh, a lot of people were feeling more displaced than ever because we're, you know, living individually in our homes, cut off from our social networks. And, and yeah, so I went, there's this homesickness in, in the world. Uh, the Celtic community has strong roots, uh, a long ancient heritage uh, that I pe think really people are thirsty for right now. And you were offering that for people, at least in the developmental stages. And I thought this is really interesting and it's important. So I want to bring it forward to people so that they can connect with the community uh, because I'm not, again, it's like, that's what this stage is about. Master Your Life is about helping people to have insight, intelligence, and inspiration to live a masterful life. And when you're feeling adrift in the world, it's very difficult to do that. So I was excited to find the work and then inside that to go wow look at this amazing group of people who are actually bringing forward and working through um things in earnest like a very earnest in earnest group does that answer paul well, you thank you and it, it gives me a, a, a way to share a little bit of the the backstory of how we ended here yeah. um yep. and i suppose uh it helps me point to Oscar Wilde, who wrote The Importance of Being Earnest. And Oscar Wilde is a Celt. And so in Oscar Wilde, 
in 100 years ago was going through customs like we are going through customs now yeah right. and mm -hmm. the, the man said to him what have you got to declare and he said the only thing i have to declare is my genius <laughs> okay and <laughs> genius in roman terms doesn't mean i'm smart mm. so when you had a birthday under the roman calendar you got two birthday cakes one for yourself and one for your genius because it was felt that your genius was a muse a spirit given to you by the roman gods and so that brings us very directly back to my story of how i landed up here i'm irish i had um, been in corporates all of my life i ran big businesses for multinationals came back here in 99 set up a technology company grew very fast loaded in my face ended up in a psychiatric hospital uh, with a reactive clinical depression no family no business no wife no kids and a book called awareness by tony DeMello. the first four words of which are spirituality is waking up so i had a choice did i want to wake up because i had nothing second paragraph is careful not everybody wants to wake up they want their toys they want their wife and job and ferrari and so i had to make a choice so i spent the next 10 years traveling the world um trying to find out how to help leaders navigate their way through depression it's very simple i was interested in work-related suicide one in seven suicides at that time were related to work by myself in australia and africa and i stayed in africa for 12 years the 20 countries worked with about 10,000 leaders and i ended up in ireland in 2019 just before covid and i did my dna test discovered my druidic traditions in my family went back 1500 years so i decided to continue the family business and when i did the dna test i realized that there was a lot more to me than admit my own eye so i was just prepared to do the work that i was doing which was leadership development work at scale and the leadership development work we were doing was linking leadership behavior to the profit and loss account on the balance sheet so we call this thing the quantum balance sheet we were saying if you want more profit if that's what you're interested in using a dialogue methodology for your leaders your followers your staff your clients your environment it's going to give you what more of what you're looking for and then covid came mm -hmm. i was locked down like everybody else in the wicklow mountains and i had to figure out how do i take a three-day executive retreat you know, where there's lots of complexity and there's two guides and there's a tenso and it's really complex. How do I put that online? So while the world was busy thinking about social distancing, I was practicing distant intimacy. And then how can we set up an online community where people have never met, they would feel close to each other. So we started that process. We started the thing called the Guild of Ancient Dialogue. And we have a new member today who wants to know how old you have to be to be a member of the Guild of Ancient Dialogue. And I just said one. He said one what? I said one millennia. You need to be uh -huh. at least a thousand years old to get here. So we're, we're, we're not that earnest either, by the way. So the Guild started. We started doing these calls during COVID. And this community grew up. And there's only a few that you're seeing here today. There are about 80 of us in 17 countries who are connected together and come in in different ways. So I realized it was possible to create this distant intimacy for the leadership work. We've now been thinking about a village. So we've approached a local village. We want to call it a WeGo village. Now, we go as a word that comes from Baum, who's our teacher, who said, if the human species wants to evolve, it has to go from the ego to the we go. And I was seeing people talking about eco villages. But when I went in, they were like, Eek, I don't want to be part of this. So I said, we need another name. So we go village came up. And, yeah. and the we go village really is about gathering committed citizens who are busy with you know, social cohesion, we teach them the bomb quantum theory. We teach them the dialogue. And we help them to start creating 
uh, value collectively as a sovereign community, okay? So they generate revenue, they make jobs, they track their community assets, they tap into their uh, indigenous wisdom, they engage with each other internally, okay? They uh, teach all the other parishes around them. And all of this is based on intellectual property using our quantum technology and its individual and group training. There's leadership tourism, there's healing, and it's founded on the spirit of the Brehan. Now, the Brehan were the shamans of Ireland long before Christianity came to Ireland and long before the crown came here and started enforcing their ways and means. And uh, it was a restorative justice system and a circular economy, and women had as many rights as men. You know, there were 10 kind of marriages under the Brehan law. Uh, you were fined if you spoke ill of a mentally ill person. Mm-hmm. If, if, uh, if I infringed on your rights, there was a predetermined fine and you went to the Brehan, the Brehan said yes or no. And I could hunger strike if I wasn't happy or if you hadn't paid me. So it, there was a, the community organized themselves. There was no police, no state, no prisons. And it was done in small communities all over this land until we took on common law and the crown and we are where we are. So we've ended up with this idea of the Celtic Crescent as this borderline of ideas and practices on all the Western countries of the Celtic countries in Europe, Scotland, Wales, Ireland, Isle of Man, Cornwall, France, Spain, Portugal. Guess how many Celts there are on the planet? How many? 150 million so imagine if we can activate the Celts back into their own DNA and reactivate them. And, you know, we're not stupid about thinking how long it's going to take. We think it's a seven-generation project. We have a 500-year business plan. And so we're only beginning now to plant the seeds. And we were in a sacred forest today where there were trees planted 500 years ago, and the people who planted them never sat underneath them. And that's kind of what we're doing as well, and I'm tired talking. I want to do a bit of listening. So if I can open space for Hilke and Thomas and Jackie to speak what's on their hearts, that's okay. One thing I will say is that people have to put their hand up to be part of the seven generations. It's kind of like the lottery, you know, you can't be part of the lottery if you don't buy a ticket. So if there's, you know, however many million people that are Celtic uh, in the world and there's eight zero right now in your group, this is an invitation for people to go have some curiosity about their own background, their own history, and to go, what steps would I take to actually find out, you know, who I am and how, how to identify with a particular group and then to um, take a step forward. So, yeah, I love that there's a seven generations plan. We talk about that in a lot of my podcasts and I think it's important because people then, have a mind to the responsibility that it is. So the responsibility and the freedom that can be built in uh, when you actually, again, in earnest, take on something with conscience. And I was very fortunate to be raised in a town of 1,200 people, actually on a farm outside of a town of 1,200 people. So, so I'm wired this way. And it's so when you live in the kill grids where there's you know a million people plus or several million people, this is a completely wild concept to think that you wouldn't have uh, that your neighbors would be looking out for you. Uh, to think that. You know, people would have, if you broke a window, you'd be responsible for fixing that. If you stole from somebody, you'd be responsible for replacing this stolen item. Like these are, these are very deep, profound changes for people to contemplate and consider how would your life be different if, if, if you had a neighbor you could really trust, How, how would your life be different if you could walk across the street with a, a shepherd's pie to share with somebody who just lost a loved one? or be part of that process of their loved one exiting the world um, because you actually had a relationship with them. These are very profound, life-changing things, life-changing, so. And my understanding, Leah, is that's what happened during COVID. Mm-hmm. People have remembered. Mm-hmm. And I see Thomas, Thomas, you have something yes. to add there. 
You're on mute, Thomas. You're on mute. Sorry. Can you hear me now? Yes. Uh, I fully agree, Paul, and I really believe that even through its hardship, that's the gift of the pandemics. Mm -hmm. I've, I've uh, been very much in contact with persons who, by having to slow down, by having to retreat, they reconnected with dimensions of their lives which were completely forgotten. Mm -hmm. in, the, in the hectic lives in organizations, which I, as I as, as said, I'm, I'm more related with, uh, the whole system had taken us into being productive entities mm -hmm. and uh, ju just paying attention to how we could improve that productive entity, but uh, the slowdown reconnected with dimensions in the in the realms of creativity, of spirit, of uh, community, uh, getting back to families, uh, reconnecting with persons we had long not been in touch with, mm -hmm. uh, and actually, I see so many persons asking themselves how to avoid getting back into those uh, previous states. So, uh, and that is why I believe Celtic Crescent, this connection with what was before we got into these structures, we have never looked at in a questioning way. Mm -hmm. There is so much talk about change today. Now, are we clear what we want to change, right? Uh, I mean, the old, the old saying of there are ways of doing things right, but uh, what is the right thing to do, which is the, 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 the real effectiveness. And if we try to mend, repair, change the wrong thing, we will only make it worse. So I really think that uh, and believe that this has given us an incredible opportunity to reconnect with the basics of what makes us human and to build up from there uh, and enjoy this building up from, for, uh, from there. And dialogue is such a beautiful approach to making emerge and unfold together what we believe the right thing to do to be, right? Mm -hmm. And I repeat myself, not to try to mend, improve, or change what was the wrong thing in the first place, or the inadequate thing in the first place. No? Mm -hmm. mm. Thanks, Thomas. I mean, if I can bring in Jackie. Jackie put her money where her mouth is and moved to Ireland. So why did you do that? <laughs> I think the sense of building community, of creating connection, of being able to ground community, to be to be at the beginning of something. And dialogue obviously um, circles, people have been talking to each other for millennia. And and yet to make that the focus of who we are, why, how we're together, um, and not the talking part, but the listening part. And this creates a new way to listen, a new way to hear, um, and a and a it's almost like a sensory system. Because the, the listening, the communication slows down. And the hearing is more important than the speaking. And we're not just hearing each individual. We're hearing the field, the community. The community is more important than the individual. The community is what we're listening for and listening to. And how can we best hear that, what we want, as opposed to what any one of us wants, what any individual wants. Um, and so to, I just happen to be in a place in my life where I can make a big change 
and communities where I've always envisioned myself long-term. And yeah, this is the one I've, I've picked to, to be a pioneer with. Thanks, Jackie. And so it's virtual and physical. So we had to mm. figure out how we're going to do this under restrictions mm. and how we're going to do it with available technology and how we're going to do it in physical space. So we're, we're beginning to think about new ways of doing this. And maybe, Tirtha, you have uh, some perspectives. I mean, you've been doing this kind of work in Ireland for 20 years or so. I'll just see you on mute there. Yeah. I've actually not been doing it in Ireland for 20 years. I only moved here 15 years ago now or something. Um, yeah, so I, like something that's very, feels very important to me is, is uh, yeah, uh, listening in a new way. Cause I think it's something that there's a hunger in people and I don't want to speak for others, but it's something that I kind of have noticed is there's a hunger for people to meet on a, in a on a deeper level, you know, and, and the pandemic has, has, you know, the situation that we're in over the last year or so has, because people have had to stop and, and do things differently. And there's a, there's other questions that we've been asking that we maybe haven't had the time to before because everyone was flying around countries and, 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 and moving very quickly. And in this slowing down, there is an ability to become more present and, and, uh, you know, when we're when we're moving too quickly, we we we're running on default because we don't have time to think about what's important. Um, and it's in that slowing down that we can really be hearing more. And and it is a very difficult situation in trying to help to people to get people to connect on on more intimate, deeper levels when we're in a situation where we're being told that we're not meant to meet and that we're dangerous to each other and and and. Um, so while we're in this time where 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 we're not meant to be being connected and and where we're meant to be where where there is potentially a lot of fear around seeing people, um, but there is still this hunger for connection, hunger for intimacy, where people are you know being isolated and not getting to connect and so on. And and connection is part of human nature. You know, it's part of what is in our naturalness. I'm not sure if I'm quite answering actually exactly what your question was, Paul. Um, but yeah, I'm feeling that with, within we're in this time of needing to listen on a deeper level. And and one of the practices actually that I work with through through the somatic consent work is 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 where we actually take an object and we take it in our hands and we play with it for a few minutes and totally bring our presence in. And in that slowing down. But it's in that slowing down that there's this magic that happens where we we listen on a different level, we feel on a deeper level, and we begin to notice things we didn't notice before. And I feel that this is like part of what's kind of happened in this, you know, in this situation in the world at the moment is is there is a need and a realization that there is there is a need to do things differently. Otherwise, we're just running on these defaults that might not be actually helpful. They might not be functioning or, or helpful for people. And it, through this dialogue process, through this learning other ways of listening and learning other questions to ask, it's like it, it's inviting um, totally different ways of doing things because it's empowering people to be like, oh, wow, women, my opinion matters too. And, and, and people are going to take the time to hear that. Um, and... The, what it can actually also help to resolve is that there are so many dysfunctions that happen in the world because people don't know how to relate with awareness and they end up relating from a lot of like ways that we've been taught that is uh, about um, kind of creating sort of games and manipulations in the way we might talk and little like, oh, I'm feeling a little bit disempowered. So I might send out a hook that might make you feel a little bit bad so I can feel better about myself. And these ways of relating that are the, causing a lot of harm in society and, and, and actually can be often, I'm not saying always, but often can be the foundation of a lot of mental health issues as well, because people doubt themselves and, and, and through, because they're thinking, oh, well, this person said that thing and they must be right and this, and, and, and there's a lot of confusion that can happen. But when we can ask questions in a different way and, and, and begin to listen we can actually find out what's important for the individuals and, and 
something that is or can already be difficult for people is to is to reach out to ask for things. Um, but I do think that there is maybe more of a rising happening at the moment of people realizing that, like, actually, let's find ways of doing this. Let's find ways of being together in a different way and, and finding new ways of relating that are actually really um, healing and, and empowering and, and help us to kind of, yeah, coming out of a dominate, dominating way of being with each other into more listening to the cooperation you know, out of the Darwinian kind of power of, um, you know, the Dar uh, survival of the fittest and actually more into understanding the cooperation. Um, if, if I can, so we have a client at the moment who have 100,000 staff, 32 countries, and they asked us to run dialogue for them online. And we ran seven 90-minute sessions during which time they said, this dialogue's very different to our ordinary meetings. So we asked them, well, what are your ordinary meetings? What are they about? And they, they're speaking about the antithesis to what we're talking about. This connection, our, our, as Thomas often reminded me, the old trilogy of money, sex, and power. But then Thomas says, oh, yes, but there's also transcendence. So we've been helping them to transcend the meetings. And so we looked at the numbers of how much it costs this organization to put those meetings together, okay? And we assumed that 30% of the meetings were a waste. That's all we did, very simple. That company is wasting $250,000 an hour. Why? Because so many people are in incoherent meetings. So, I mean, that's a very practical example of the kind of things that th this dialogue has the capacity to uh, convert potential into practice. And when we look at the link between, let's call it incoherence and, and profit, yes, what is the ratio between coherence and profit or presence and profit? If the number that tears are pointed to, it's a number from Mother Nature, it's pi. We've seen that for every 10% shift, in our dashboard, where we're measuring stuff, the organization is getting a 6% increase in economic output. So, I mean, it's biomimicry. We're saying, look, uh, nature is an extremely old being, knows what it's doing. And if we can find ways to bring back those natural ways of evolving organisms, well, uh, organizations, it doesn't just have to be Celtic. And I look, the reason it's Celtic is because I can get away with it. It's no more simple than that. Mm -hmm. you just, I mean, if I turn up with my accent, people go, oh, he's Irish. And no, it's Seth. But um, we're working with uh, First Nations in Canada. We have somebody working in London who comes from Islamic background. We're talking to people in Zimbabwe. Uh, we're talking to people in Israel. So it's just Celtic because we're here. But once we figure out the golden spread, as you say, of village leadership, technology, healing relationship with this thread, this golden thread, this fascia of dialogue, it can be applied anywhere. And what do we want to do with it? We want to share as much as we can. So we have a completely open approach to sharing and collaborating and learning from each other. So, for example, we had a dialogue with some young people recently, and we were astounded at how quickly they got it. I'm talking about within 12 hours, they are saying they're finding confidence they never found before. They don't want to be like their parents because their parents created the containment. And, I mean, we write narrative after each of the circles, and the narrative for the youth dialogue is really powerful really powerful so this dialogue thing can be applied to older people i mean we had somebody in the container 69 years of age and when they left they said i never realized that my voice was so important and they, they come with 69 years of wisdom from a culture that's been going for ten thousand years they go of course it's really important mm -hmm. Yes, there's a, 
a reverence that happens when you slow down and wait wait for things to arise as you have all said it's wait for things to arise and the i think the fun part is that you've never had that conver- this conversation before and so you don't need to bring everything with you um you just need to bring your your ears and your heart and then wait for for things to come up and then it's always something new so so that content is priceless because you have the synergy of the group. So the things that you don't, at least that's how it feels or lands for me, is that you, 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 ha- you have the wisdom of the group and all of the generations of the group prior to now, because you know that you bring in your family history, you know you bring in your cosmology with all of your um, wisdom and expertise, uh, not just in the physical body that you sit in here right now in this physical container, but all of your memories, all of your genetics, all of your heritage. When you're bringing that all forward with an open heart and um, not in a defensive position, then you can integrate with the rest of the group. And then that synergy is like, whoa, what just happened there? And like, so things that may have taken decades to do can actually happen just like that because you get out of your own way and out of everyone else's way, you know, also to make things happen quickly. So whether that's health problems, financial problems, um, wisdom problems in the group, or because people just start showing up, resources start showing up, um, our own um, stuff that we didn't remember starts to show up because we go, Oh, I remember this might help. Maybe I should share that. And so when you've got these open hearted, earnest uh, conversations, because that's the context that these stewards have been, the stewardship of this has been set up. Um, then you can come with that defensive thing factor down. So, uh, you know, not present, maybe not even down, but not present. And that's a completely different thing than coming to a corporate meeting and going, all right, I've got my binder of things here. I better tick off A, B, and C, and I better look like the smartest person in the room or I'm not going to get a paycheck. <laughs> so I was going to, my bonus is out, you know, at risk or, or whatever it is, or my, or my, um, yeah, my contract's going to end, you know, if I don't come up with the best solution and I've got to, you know, the huddle meetings every five, every day for five minutes to try and drive this thing forward, this initiative forward and get buy-in. And it's a very different um, process that, that you are all uh, bringing forth into the landscape. I absolutely just have such a deep appreciation for the work that you're um, doing uh, in each, you know, you know, moment. I just think it's so such a great invitation for people to to consider coming in and uh, be, becoming a part, or at least dipping your toe in the water of what you are all doing, uh, and then see if there's a fit and see if there's some synergy. Is that what the invitation is, Paul? Would you say at the you know for people who are new to listening to this kind of information, or what do you think is the invitation? Uh, so the invitation is to practice. Um, so, for example, instead of us trying to sell what we do or talk about it, or I, I hear people who are on platforms like yourself, we, we don't really do that. We say, come in to our three-day uh, workshop, sit down there, we'll explain to you what dialogue's about, and then we're starting one, two, three, go. That's it. And then we look at what we were learning afterwards. So it's very much an action learning methodology. And what I hear you describing of that person who walks into the corporate meeting and has their binder, that for me is plutocracy or patriarchy or, you know, uh, the shadow of the masculine. We're on this side saying the feminine is very powerful, extremely powerful. And the feminine deities in this land are still alive. Danu and Gubnet and Bridget and Anya and they're out there on the land. The forest we were in today is rippling with nurture and femininity. And I was just looking at trees and I could feel myself expanding. This is absolutely amazing. And, you know, I see people who say, well, what's your healing project? And they send me a diagram of a hospital. I say, no, no, that's not a healing center. And I send them back a picture of a forest. I said, that's a healing center. You put a tent in there, 
get somebody into there for three days, mind them, let them tell you their stories, put on a fire, give them clean water, clean food. In three days, they'll come out of that then different. And so they're ancient practices. And as everybody here is saying, let's take the ancient practices, bring them into the now. Yeah. Use technology the way we're using it now. I, I didn't meet half of these people until Zoom was around. And let's combine them all and offer some ideas, but more practices. So the invitation is to practice. But we don't love content, Leah. You won't find in, you know, you won't find us teaching a lot. We'll model, you know, we'll wait two seconds after somebody speaks. One, two, that's it. Advanced practice is seven seconds. You know how hard that is? On radio, it's impossible. <laughs> well, I have a face for radio, so it should be all right. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You know, if violence comes on the radio, people think it's switched off. It's not. It's switched on. Because silence isn't the absence of anything. It's the presence of everything. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> silence is where we build up meaning actually were it not for silence we would be completely unable to build meaning of what is happening what's being said so it's it's really the strong other side of language, listening and silence. And listen and silent with the same letters. The same thing. Feels like we might check out with you, Leah. That'd be okay. Yeah. Perfect timing. Okay. Sure, sir. Your check out for today. <clears throat> uh, it's been really lovely to connect in and to have this conversation and, um, yeah, get to share the important work a little bit with, um, with your audience, Leah. So thank you for this opportunity and good to connect with you again. Yeah, and nice to feel like we're reaching out and, and inviting an, and an open invitation for others. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Jeff and Thomas. I'm checking out with a lot of joy. This was a very enjoyable experience. And... Uh, I've been doing online work for many, many years now, so it's not new, but uh, there are moments when connections are stronger. And uh, this was one of them. So I thank you very much for the space, for, for sharing with this homey group and uh, and for the possibility to reach out to others who might feel in synthony with this. Yes. Mm. Mm. What a beautiful word that just hit me right at my chest. I don't know that the rest of you. Uh, Jackie. Mm. Yes, thank you. It's been beautiful to meet today. Um, one of the things that came up in just this last little bit was about the voices being heard. And it's one thing that I've found very special to me. Um, I've been meeting regularly with a dialogue group since the beginning of COVID lockdowns in March. And I'm not particularly academic and I'm not particularly learned. Um, and I've met the most amazing people, just, you know, really brilliant people, those who are academic and are well qualified and so on. And my voice has always been valued. 
And because it's not about the content, it's about the human being. And so that sense of value is something that I really believe we, we offer and we hold sacred. And that's why it is a holy group and why it is a holy circle and um, why the invitation is so open because every single voice um, is human and is welcome. Let's check out. Mm, thanks, Jackie. And um, I'll check out thing. We're just a bunch of druids yeah, who come from the future into the present to make sure we get there by tiny trajectory uh, changes and how people are thinking. Dialogue is posed by our teacher, David Baum, as the thing which helps people to think about their thinking. Because he makes the proposition, if we work with a thought, and somebody else, it's not even ours. If we work with a thunk from 50 years ago or 5,000 years ago, it's not ours. So we get together and we think about what we're thinking. And once it's coherent, it goes back into what he called the implicate order. So that the next person that takes out that thought, at least we've tidied it up a little bit. So it's tiny shift in consciousness. So we we borrow words from the implicate order, like symphony, mm -hmm. and we, we let it resonate within us. And we feel it, and we put the word symphony back, so that the next time somebody says symphony, there's a higher resonance for it. So we, we check out as a symphony of voices from all over the world with an open invitation. Come and dialogue with us. The West of Ireland is beautiful. And then we'll dialogue with you. So we go to Oxford and Buenos Aires and we go wherever we're allowed to go. And um, so we're, we're looking forward to dialoguing with you. Beautifully put. Tirtha, Jackie, Thomas, Paul, thank you so much for joining me. Everyone, love yourselves, love each other, mind your minds. That's all for us. Bye for now. Thank you for being a part of our program today. Master Your Life is a presentation of Leah Mattinson Enterprises, Inc. Join us next time on Master Your Life, helping you to discover the very best of you.